This is a whiskey that I have long awaited the review of, mainly because I am the least experienced in this category of whiskey, and that would be peated Isla scotches, or even just peated scotch in general. So for those of you who have read the title, you know that today we are reviewing Ardbeg 10-Year. But before we get to that, first of all, my name is Chris, and I'm the host of the Whiskey Noobs podcast, which you are right now listening to because you probably clicked on Whiskey Noobs on (laughs) Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And as I mentioned today, we are reviewing Ardbeg 10-Year, which is a single malt whiskey uh, from Isla in Scotland. So it is uh, from the region of Scotland known as Isla. For those of you who aren't very familiar with Scotland, it's divided into many regions. And one of them is Isla, which is known very much for its peated scotches. And for those of you who don't know what a peated scotch is, I will cover that very briefly. So a peated scotch has an intense smoky flavor to it because of the way that it is made. It is made by malting the barley like you do for any single malt. But when they malt it, they wet it down so that it sprouts, kind of trick it into growing. And for peated scotch specifically, in order to dry it out and get it to stop trying to grow, they burn peat underneath it. Peat is like a a moss, this earthy, uh, mossy stuff. I think it is technically a moss. And they burn it underneath it to dry it out. And by doing that, it imparts these very smoky flavors into the scotch. And that is what Ardbeg 10-year is. As I mentioned, peated scotches are basically probably one of the categories that I have the least experience in, right up there with like Japanese whiskeys, which I don't drink too many of. So I'm pretty excited to get into it because up to this point, my the vast, vast majority of my experience with peated scotch, I have had a couple of other ones um, from a friend who had um, a bunch of different scotches. But that was a while ago. So the majority of my experience with peated scotch is from Lafroig 10-Year, which we've had on the show a few times. Uh, but its actual review episode was episode 10 of the podcast, if you want to go listen to that. So I am very excited to compare Ardbeg 10-Year to Lafroig 10, which I will be doing. I did get myself a little glass of Lafroig to kind of compare the two. They definitely seem to be rivals, and they definitely come up anytime somebody's talking about Isla Scotch. Lafroig and Ardbeg undeniably come up. But based solely on my experience online on Instagram and on uh, TikTok, people seem to mention slash ask about Ardbeg a little bit more. So I'm hoping that means I'm going to enjoy it more, but we'll see. I'm, I'm very excited to see how it is similar, how it is different from Lafroig Tenure. So this episode is going to be basically just a straight-up review episode. I'm going to be comparing it, like I said, a little bit to Lafroig Tenure, and I'm going to talk a little bit about how I like it with my limited experience in Isla Scotches. I think that'll be really good perspective for those of you who are also still a little bit newer to the Isla Scotches. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into this review. So we're reviewing Ardbeg 10-year. As I mentioned, this is a single malt scotch. It is aged for 10 years, as the name would indicate, and it is 46% alcohol by volume. One of the things that they list on the bottle and they also put on the website that I think is really interesting, I think maybe it's a bit of marketing, but we'll see how it holds up. It says, Ardbeg 10 years old is revered around the world as the peatiest, smokiest, most complex single malt of them all, which makes sense. It smells very peaty so far in my glass, but it goes on to say, 
yet it does not flaunt the peat. Rather, it gives way to the natural sweetness of the malt to produce a whiskey of perfect balance. That I find pretty interesting. That you're basically saying, "Oh yeah, it's it's aggressively peaty." And they're like, "But it's not, you know, aggressively peaty. It's not ag- aggressively peaty." <laughs> so I'm really interested to see what that means. It smells very peaty. Um, so I'm going to go through with my review of it, and then we'll go through and read the actual flavor notes that they say you should get. Right off the bat, I know I don't mention color often, but this is way more pale than I anticipated it being. This is almost as pale, probably, as like Suntory whiskey toki if you've seen that in a bottle. Um, and you can't really tell in the bottle because it's a dark green bottle, uh, but pouring it into the Glencairn, I was like, wow, this is very clear. So the nose is definitely peaty, uh, definitely smells like it was a very heavily peated scotch. Uh, definitely has those medicinal type smells to it, a little bit salty, which is something you expect often from an Isla scotch. It has those those strong, earthy smells, a little bit rubbery to me. It always reminds me a little bit of like burnt rubber. And without smelling slash tasting the Laphroaig yet, because that's not going to come till after the initial review, without doing that, I think maybe it is a little bit more peaty, a little bit less malty smelling than Laphroaig. Once again, I haven't had Laphroaig for a little bit uh, since the episode that we had it on with Justin, but I'm interested to see if that holds up, if I'm correct about that or not. But without further ado, I'm going to go for the palate. That was a very interesting palate. Not quite what I was expecting. I think it might be a little bit less sweet than Laphroaig. Once again, I'm comparing it. I haven't even tried the Laphroaig yet, but it seems a little bit less on the sweet side and a little bit more on the spicy side. But I kind of like the way that goes with the peat. It doesn't, the peat doesn't just smother your palate. There's also a strong kind of saltiness, um, kind of, I guess I want to call it spiciness. I don't know. I wouldn't attribute it to a specific spice, at least yet. But I can kind of see the second half of that motto I was telling you where it says it doesn't flaunt the peat. Rather, it gives way to natural sweetness of malt. I don't think it gives way to natural sweetness of the malt necessarily, but I think it gives way to other flavors. There's other punchy flavors in there. I'm going to try it again here. This is nothing if not a very interesting drink. Um, I would say you can get some of the maltiness out of it like you can with Laphroaig. You can get some maltiness once you get past the peat. But it has a distinct bite to it that I don't recall from Laphroaig. We're going to try it here in a few minutes. But it reminds me almost, this is probably just because I just had this the other day. Um, I put it on something. I don't remember what. But it reminds me of seasoned salt. If you've ever had seasoned salt, it's not just like normal salt. It's like the orange salt you can buy that has like seasonings mixed in with it or whatever. It reminds me of that a little bit. It has like this fiery obviously smoky palette with like this seasoned salt type flavor that comes after the smoke. It's definitely an interesting palette, but let's talk about the finish a little bit. I'm going to take one more sip. Let me tell you, the third sip was different from the second sip, which was different from the first sip. And that's probably partly attributed to the fact that my palate's not quite warmed up. It's warming up as we go here, but very interesting flavor to it. The third sip after the finish, after everything went away, I got a lot of just strong salt on my tongue. Like I had just put seasoned salt in my hand and licked it. That's kind of what it reminds me of. Or like if you've ever eaten really salty popcorn and then like licked your fingers and you just got that salt. And it's like it dries out your mouth a little bit. 
not as oily as I, I guess I anticipate. I don't know why I was thinking it was going to be more oily, but I did think it was going to be more oily, but not very oily of a finish, a little bit dry, not horrendously, not like, oh my gosh, there's cotton balls in my mouth, but definitely on the drier side and almost like you just have salt on your tongue. That's what it's reminding me of. I'm very interested to see what they what they say you should get from it. So let's skip into that. And one of the things I absolutely love about their website is it has paragraphs for each thing. It's not just like, oh, you should get this, this, and this. They have a full-on paragraph for the nose, a paragraph for the taste, and a paragraph for the finish. So let's talk about the nose a little bit. It says for the nose... Peat infused with zesty lemon and lime wrapped in waxy dark chocolate. Bold menthol, ooh, menthol's a good one, and black pepper sliced through the sweet smoke, followed by tarry ropes. I, if it's pronounced tarry or terry, I don't know. It sounds like tarry. Don't even know what that means. And graphite. Savor the aroma of smoked fish and crispy bacon alongside green bell peppers, baked pineapple, and pear juice. Wow, that is a heck of a nose. Here's what I'll pull from that because I certainly did not get all of that. Here's what I will say. I can definitely see it being lemony. Menthol is a solid one. Uh, Black pepper is for sure that that's the spice I was talking about. I get that on the palate as well. We'll see what they say for the palate. Crispy bacon. I, I need to smell again. So if I really picture bacon in my head, I can smell it. I cannot get bell peppers. And I don't know nothing about baked pineapple or pear juice. I wouldn't say that necessarily. But I could see the lemon a little bit. Uh, not necessarily dark chocolate, but you know, maybe that's just me. But definitely a very interesting uh, nose that they say you should get from this. That's a, one of the more in-depth noses I've ever read about. So let's move on to the taste. So it says an explosion of crackling peat sets off millions of flavor explosions. Wow, this is this is quite the uh, literary arts project. Peat effervesces with tangy lemon and lime juice. Black pepper pops with sizzling cinnamon spiced toffee. Then comes a wave of brine infused with smooth buttermilk, ripe bananas, and currants. Smoke gradually wells up on the palate, bringing a mouthful of warm, creamy cappuccino and toasted marshmallows. As the taste lengthens and deepens, dry espresso, licorice root, and tarry smoke develop coating the palate with chewy peat oils. Let me tell you, if any whiskey truly tasted like that, I would probably only ever buy that whiskey again. (laughs) But... I don't want to make it sound like it's the most far-fetched in the entire world. It definitely has some solid transitions to the palate. There's definitely many of those notes that they mention, but I think they're getting a little bit... They're they're adding in some notes in there that I wouldn't say I taste. Let me take another sip here and compare to their, their notes. Yeah, so as I mentioned, I can see some of them. And some of them, I think they're just kind of throwing stuff in there. But but here's what I'll say. Uh, definitely the tangy lemon with black pepper is a solid descriptor, even maybe lime. Um, if, if you just put crushed black pepper or, or uh, ground black pepper onto like a lemon and took a bite, I could really see that being like this. The other thing about their palate that they mentioned that I think is pretty solid is 
that there is a wave of brine, a wave of saltiness. That is definitely true. You're kind of experiencing these flavors, and then you get hit with the salt on the tongue. And I totally agree with that as well. Buttermilk is definitely a little bit bitter, a little bit sour. I could see that. Ripe bananas, I am not seeing. I will try again. And then also the warm, creamy cappuccino with marshmallows. I'm not too sure about all of that business, but I'll, I'll try it again and, and compare a little bit. Here's what I will say, though. Um, a complex palette, multiple different flavors being thrown at you. With all that is going on in here, I can see why people could read that. Somebody could probably read the same exact palette description and not mention any of the ones that I said I just got and say, well, I got all the other ones. I could see that, actually, just because this is there's so much going on here, as there are with many peated scotches. There's a lot going on. I could probably be convinced if you really try to convince me of a lot of these, which is why I always do my flavor notes first, which are a lot more simple than these ones. Uh, I always do mine first so that you're getting that unadulterated, and then I read through theirs because I don't want to be influenced by theirs. But I will tell you what I think I'm getting and what I don't, and I will try this again. And I'm going to think about a warm, creamy cappuccino with toasted marshmallows, and we're going to see if I get anything even close to that. Yeah, I don't I don't think I really get the uh the cappuccino and the marshmallows. For me, once that wave of brine does show up, which they do say you get, and I agree with that. Once that wave of saltiness shows up, it really takes over and then I'm only really getting the smoky and the salty. I don't really get a lot of sweet after that salt takes over. Maybe on the finish you could argue and I haven't gotten to what they say the finish should be yet. But maybe on the finish, I could argue a little bit of the sweet comes back because there's less salty going on. But I definitely am not getting quite as sweet of notes as they're saying. And I like a good banana note, which I don't get super often. I think Brothers Bond probably had one of the best banana-y type notes to it. Um, and I don't get that very often, and I'm not seeing a lot in this. Could just be, I want to preface all this, or I guess it's not preface since I've already given my review. <laughs> but I do want to add some context here that as I mentioned I'm not super traveled in the world of peated Isla scotches so maybe somebody who has a bit more of a, a peated scotch palate could put aside the saltiness and the smokiness and get some more of these less aggressive notes maybe and then there's also the uh solid chance that maybe they're just throwing in some notes that are are meant to make it sound a lot more appealing than it actually is because I don't think if I ever gave this to somebody less experienced and said hey this is going to taste like cappuccino and marshmallows they would probably spit it out and slap me across the face <laughs> because it's definitely aggressive um, but let's move on to the finish that way we can do some comparing to Lafroy. so the finish it says the finish goes on and on long and smoky with tarry espresso aniseed toasted almonds, and traces of soft barley and fresh pear. I think the things that I will pull from that, once again, they're throwing in some stuff probably, or I'm just not getting it. But what I will add on to that, or what I will agree with from that is, any peated scotch for me, the finish does go on and on. You can taste it forever afterward. <laughs> um, but I would say long and smoky is definitely solid. And I'll even say that espresso is a pretty good descriptor. The smokiness and the saltiness from the palate kind of fade out to make what I would probably consider like an espresso type flavor. 
Um, almost as if you just smell ground coffee or if you've had like an espresso drink. I can see that. Um, I don't get a whole lot of soft barley. I'd say I actually get more barley on the palate if I really, really, really let it sit on my tongue and really get through that brininess. I can see some of the barley, uh, some of the fresh pear, or not the fresh pear, sorry. That was what I was about to say was. I don't see the fresh the fresh pear on the finish. I don't see a lot of the fruits that they're calling out, except for the citrus, strong citrus. But I would say, all in all, their notes are solid. It's clearly they're throwing in some marketing. Um, but there's definitely good notes in there that I would say I can get. I think the menthol on the nose was a really good one. Um, so let's, without further ado, compare this a little bit to Laphroaig. So I'm going to rinse my mouth out with some water here, take a sip of Laphroaig, and see what I think. Undoubtedly, Laphroaig is a different beast entirely. They both have the strong peat. Laphroaig, for me... I don't know if this is going to make a lot of sense. Laphroaig is more fall and Ardbeg is more spring. Laphroaig has more of a leafy, burning leaves type smell and taste to it. Um, they both have a little bit of that medicinal, like what they call menthol and Ardbeg. They both have a little bit of that. But Laphroaig has more of like a sweetness and more of a subtlety to it, I think. That peat is a little bit more overpowering because the other notes are a little bit underpowering, whereas the Ardbeg has a lot of these powerful notes, black pepper, lemon, that sort of thing going on. And don't get me wrong, Laphroaig definitely is still a little bit salty, but the Laphroaig has almost more subtle notes that let the peat take over a bit more. And so while it sounds like it might be more pleasant, more sweet, and the sweetness makes it sound more pleasant, I would almost argue that maybe it's not because it's the, the peat doesn't have anything to com compete with. Huh? The peat can't compete. And so you're getting a lot of the peat. I'm going to, without rinsing my mouth out, try the Laphroaig and go straight to the art bag and see what I think. So going from Laphroaig straight to art bag, you get the spicy, seasony, black pepperiness, maybe a little bit of the lemon of the art bag comes through. But almost no peat because of all that peat in the Laphroaig. I took a drink of water and I did the opposite. I went Ardbeg to Laphroaig. And the Laphroaig almost gets totally trampled by the Ardbeg because the Ardbeg has all those other sweet flavors. Whereas the Laphroaig, you do get some of the smokiness and you only get that leafy note that I would describe as walking through the woods after all the leaves have fallen in the fall and it rained. And that is the best way to describe, I think, Laphroaig for me, or that, that note in Laphroaig. But it doesn't have as much of the spiciness, as much of the pepper as the Ardbeg has. I almost think I might prefer the Ardbeg. I don't know for sure. I think maybe they're just different beasts. Maybe I don't prefer one over the other because the Laphroaig is heavier. The Laphroaig is definitely a bit more. It's more on my palate, more on my stomach. It feels like more, but still sweeter and kinder, just a lot more. Whereas Ardbeg is a little bit less heavy, a little bit lighter, a little bit I guess I want to say sparkier though, like punchier for sure. And so you get this punchiness, but it's not quite as heavy on your palate. I don't know if anything I just described made sense, but but that's the way that I see these is the Ardbeg's a little bit less 
on your palate, a little bit less, maybe body is the right word for this, but that body that it does have is punchier, whereas Laphroaig is a little bit more body, but that body is a little bit more mellow, sweet, just a lot. Almost like you could say, you know, if you put a little bit of sugar in some water, it's going to be less sweet than maple syrup. But if you drink just maple syrup, then it's going to be real heavy on your on your stomach and on your palate. That's kind of, maybe that's the best way I can describe that. I think it might be a dead tie for which one I prefer. I don't know. I mean, this isn't this wasn't intended to be like a which one's better episode. Just I just wanted to compare the two. But I thought maybe one of them would really stand out above the other. But I think it's just apples and oranges because the Ardbeg has all these nice punchy flavors, which I really like. But the salt is almost overwhelming. The amount of like brininess that you get and and just the punchiness of the notes that you're getting. Whereas with the Laphroaig, it's kind of nice and calm and sweeter, but it's so much of that flavor that, <laughs> that it weighs me down a little bit, and then so much of that smoke as well with it. So I think I would leave it to Laphroaig to me is more of a fall and autumn time drink, whereas Ardbeg is a little bit more of maybe a spring. Don't get me wrong, I would drink both of these year-round, and I do, and I'm almost out of Laphroaig actually. But... Uh, that is just if I had to characterize them, I get a little bit more of a leafiness from the Laphroaig and a little bit more salty sea spray, lemon zest, and black pepper from the Ardbeg. Very interesting. I expected them to be a lot more similar than I think they are now. But I'm going to compare them again one more time and then get some closing thoughts. So I'm going to round out my comparison and then I'm going to round out Ardbeg. So for my comparison, I'm going to stick to my guns and say these are just different. These are apples and oranges. Um, I could see myself drinking a different one in a different situation. I think Ardbeg would stand up a little bit better against a cigar because Laphroaig might just be more of the same smokiness if you're having a cigar with it. So I'd probably put Ardbeg with a cigar if I wanted to taste the Ardbeg and maybe overpower the cigar a little bit. The Laphroaig, I would say, I would have if I didn't want something as aggressive. Uh, It's probably a little bit smoother on the finish, a little bit uh, more oily, and has a little bit more sweetness. But also, I would more readily drink two glasses of Ardbeg than two glasses of Laphroaig. Because the Laphroaig weighs down my palate a lot, and I can see it getting old as I've, I've had Laphroaig multiple times and I can see it kind of weighing me down a bit more. Whereas the Ardbeg, I could see myself maybe doing two glasses. I think the big distinction is they both have something about them that's a little bit overpowering. For the Laphroaig, it's the smokiness. For the Ardbeg, it's the menthol-y salt and pepper. It's like it's got a lot of salt and pepper on it. But I always really liked, you know, salt and pepper chips, stuff like that. So uh, I don't know. I guess do with that information what you will. I don't know if I really have a preference yet. I think I'm going to have to sit down and have these a few more times in order to really develop a preference. But overall, I want to talk about just Ardbeg now because I don't want to make it seem like it's better or worse than Laphroaig. That's not the point of this episode. The point was just to compare the two. 
So for Ardbeg specifically, I do want to talk about what I liked about it. I thought Ardbeg was surprisingly good. Not quite as peaty as Laphroaig. Had a lot of other things going on. Maybe a touch more complex. I'm already comparing it to Laphroaig again. But it has good complexity to it. Uh, the palette definitely has a few distinct phases to it. I wish I could get more after the salt on the palette. I get a lot of this salty black pepper on my tongue that really overpowers things and makes it hard to come back to anything other than peatiness until I swallow. And then on the finish, like I said, definitely that espresso flavor, maybe a little bit of sweetness comes through with that definite peat that definitely stays on your palate. But I think it's a pretty solid drink. It definitely leaves me wanting a little bit more, which maybe I need to develop my palate in the world of peat a little bit more. Um, but their flavor notes they list online leave me wanting more. But I definitely enjoy it. I think it's well-priced. Um, at this price, I think it's actually pretty complex. I want to say it was like $55 in Ohio. At this price, I think it's pretty complex. I think it has great characteristics to it. I think I would totally see myself grabbing this in a different situation than I'd see myself grabbing Laphroaig. Like I said, apples and oranges. I don't know if I like one more than the other, but I like them both, and they're both challenging without a doubt. So when I'm in the mood for something a bit more challenging, I could definitely see myself picking up the Ardbeg and trying it. I love, love, love that the peat does not overpower the whole palate. If anything, maybe the salt overpowers the palate. But I love that you're getting other things with the peat. It's got a little bit more spiciness to it. Almost more. It does not taste like a bourbon by any means. But it almost is like the scotch, the peated scotch version of like a high rye bourbon. Where it has this weird challenging flair that shows up when you take a sip of it. I really enjoy that about it. I'm definitely going to continue to try this moving forward. This was my first time ever trying Ardbeg. Uh, I mentioned in the beginning I was excited to do it. And so I'm excited to get more into this bottle and learn a little bit more about it. But that's all I've got for the Ardbeg episode. So for those of you, a couple of you, I think, mentioned that you wanted to hear me review it. Hopefully you enjoyed this review. Hopefully it was as in-depth as you were hoping. And for those of you who like Laphroaig and maybe haven't had Ardbeg, hopefully this will be your or uh, cue to either buy it or not buy it, depending on what you thought of my review of the Ardbeg. I definitely think if you want to explore Isla Scotch a little bit more, it's absolutely worth buying this bottle and giving it a try. That's just my personal opinion. But that's all I've got on Ardbeg for this episode. So this has been an Ardbeg 10-year review. I was looking forward to this so much, so I'm glad I got the chance to do it. I really enjoyed it. That's all I've got for this episode today, guys. So I will leave you with learn to drink, drink to learn. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you like the show, please make sure that you tell anyone you know who you think would be interested in the hobby or in the podcast. That way we can help to spread the word and continue to grow. Please also make sure to review the show on Apple Podcasts and share our posts on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs or on TikTok at whiskey noobs podcast. Uh, it only takes a couple of minutes and it really does a lot to help spread the word and grow the podcast. Also, there is an email list for the show. If you'd like to join, you can just send an email to whiskey noobspodcast at gmail.com and in the subject line put email list i will add you to the list and then you'll be updated every month with the whiskeys that we will be drinking on the show throughout the month that way you can drink right along with us and see if you're getting the same notes once again thank you so much for listening to the show the whiskey noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol